I'm your host, Jay Wald, and this is another weekly podcast of The Deeper Dive, brought to you by Plantation SDA Church. This is season four, and this is episode number nine. And guess who's back? (laughs) (laughs) Do, do Do you need an introduction? I don't think I do. I think people know who I am. Hello, yeah, everybody. But How are you? You gotta, you gotta understand. I've been playing flying this plane solo for quite a long time. So I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm with you back on the helm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Don. Wow. Thank you very much, Joe. You did a it's job, always, by the way. I was listening. You I did an excellent you. job. I appreciate you, but you know it's always better with you. So I want to thank you for that. You're still the world's best co-host, no matter what. And I also want to thank our our podcast (laughs) listeners for taking the time out. Uh, As always, whatever social media programs or platforms you may be using, please contact us via WhatsApp and text us at 954-388-8780. And guess what? We have a a very special guest today, Dawn. We do. We have a guest speaker. Yeah, we have a guest speaker. He's not really that new. He's just not really that new. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah, you sure? No, I haven't. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he has. Yeah. So he's new to he's this, new to this, but he's not okay, new to he, the church. He spoke at Plantation yeah. before. Many times. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Well, we want to uh, welcome the pastor, Enoch Paulison. Is that pronounced right? That's correct. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. so much. I, I want to ask you one question. What church do you reside? Right now? Uh-huh. Um, a new church plant, the Salem community church and what where where is that at it's in north miami it's a french-speaking congregation okay okay we'll have to go and tell him that well we want to welcome to deeper dive and thank you for just taking the time out you uh, gave us a a powerful message so before we started don knows we always start off with a word of prayer okay father god thank you for this wonderful day lord thank you for all you've done for us lord we're not worthy in every way shape or form but Lord, we thank you that this podcast is going forth to someone somewhere that they will receive the word and receive you. We thank you for all the components. Thank you for my co-host. Thank you for all, all everybody in the back of the scene and our guest speaker. In the name of Jesus, Amen. 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 All right. Amen. All right. So this, uh, come back again. It's got the the struggle continues. That's the theme. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, the, day that, the, but struggle the day yeah. the struggle ends is the title. Is was the that title your title or were you just doing it around the theme? Right. Um, both, because I figured I was the last person to speak. So I should oh. probably talk about how the struggle ends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because as long as we're on earth, the struggle will continue. Mm. That's true. That's true. That's true. Okay. Um, you spoke, uh, okay, here we are, we're on Revelation 7, um, you know, speaking Mm -hmm. about the great multitude, um, this is what John had a revelation of, um, I like to call it the kingdom of diversity, because we're going to have so many, uh, nations and tongues, um, just speak more about that, uh, that, that revelation that John had. I think that Revelation chapter 7 describes the ideal that God expects on earth. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's going to be in heaven. And and one of the things that I try to point out, the Bible never talks about color. 
it doesn't. The Bible always talks about nations. So, so an Amalekite or even the Ethiopian that helped Jesus, we never said he was black. Mm -hmm. But we knew he came from Ethiopia, and so he was likely a black man. And the fact that the Garden of Eden began most likely in Africa. Mm -hmm. But nowhere in the Bible did they say that God created a black Adam and a black Eve. But it can be inferred because blackness came out of Africa. Of course. And the other thing that um, a lot of people are not are, are not familiar with is that color is recessive. You can go from a black person and as they, they like people, you can become lighter, but you don't really go from white to black. Yes, that's true. So that's it exactly would have been true. impossible if Adam and Eve were white for there to be black people. Yeah, the climate had to be totally different. Yeah. Yeah, for doing that. But like you said, you never seen white sand. <laughs> no, I haven't. But oh, you know, sorry, I, I'm always sorry. open to be proven wrong. <laughs> I understand that. Um, let me ask you this question. This gentleman you spoke about, this uh, seminary professor, was it Dr. Yes. Dr. Dr. Lee. Lee? Yes. And he talked about the uh, the teachers of MLK, uh, ethics and theology. Um, yes. Talk more about that. I, I was interested by that. Well, Dr. Lee is an expert in ethics in terms of for theological studies, but he also does a class that focuses on the ethics of Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that always happens whenever they discuss that is they do bring up some of Dr. King's improprieties. Um, it's well known that the FBI had recorded him in turn with other women. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I found interesting is that there's never a time when you have a person who is non-Black who goes through this where the focus is on what they've done that's bad. Yeah. We have Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker. It's like nobody talks about that anymore. We... Yeah. We that was have, pretty big. You know, but Dr. Martin Luther King, who's been gone, what, 50 years now, 60 years now, mm -hmm. but yet they still want to bring that up. And so Dr. I like the way Dr. Lee responded and that he admitted that people are very multidimensional. No one is all good and no one is all bad. Yeah. And the bad that you do does not erase the good that you do. It uh -huh. just shows another dimension of who you are. I got it. Got it. You, I think you, you mentioned something about the art of uh, traditioning. Yes. The art of traditioning, it, it's basically something I learned from Dr. Lee's class. Mm -hmm. And it comes up with the concept of having a, a normative, an, a, a normative, um, I'm trying to think of, of the word, I should have probably had my notes. <laughs> but whoever decides what's the normative narrative also determines who's good and who's bad. Yeah. And because in many times history is being 
is being driven by white history. The whites are always supposed to be the heroes and the blacks are not. Mm -hmm. And if we're honest, we can look at efforts here in Florida with uh, Governor DeSantis trying to eliminate black history and and aspects of of the black past. Um, In in one state, there was someone that that I I was listening to on, on another podcast who was upset because they were teaching her daughter that the slaves actually came here in search of work. So they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to um, change history because history, as someone once said, is his story. And when his story makes him look bad, he wants to change it so he no longer looks bad. Okay. But just as Dr. King is multidimensional, no matter who you have in terms of history, they're generally multidimensional. There's good and there's bad. Right. Um, question again. I mean, you spoke a lot about the formative narrative. Why did it yes. come up that way? I mean, you know, it's, it's the stereotypical way that's been said about that when you know it's totally different. Well, the formative narrative drives a lot mm-hmm. of what happens in our lives and even in church. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, worship as we once had it, I remember when I was growing up, we did not have drums. We did not have the bass guitar. We did not, because the formative narrative was that if it wasn't European, it was unacceptable. If it was a song that was on a two, four downbeat instead of a one and three downbeat, then it was rhythmically wrong. And even in terms of of the GC, you'll find that they shun music that sounds kind of black. Hmm. Because the formative narrative still says that if it's black, it's probably bad. But if it's white, it's good. And that's why it's important that we need to develop our own formative narrative so that we're not driven by the formative narrative of someone else. Go ahead, Don. I'm going to ask a question. So I'm going to put it from the perspective of we are Christian people. We are studying God's word. We are trying to understand um, what God wants us to do within our lives, that we're following his will. Mm-hmm. Now, when we focus on color all the time, do you think that we're coming away from the idea that God has put us here to do his will, regardless of what color we are? Or is it important for us to be aware of the fact that, well, you know, I'm black and you're Asian and you're white, and I'm going to check to make sure that um, you are not coming at me with your culture too much that is going to infringe on the things that I actually do. Do you think that's important? Ideally, that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. But it's not that way because everything we do is, is based on color. Even, for example, there's a difference between how things were when I was in New York versus how it is here in in Florida. Mm. When I'm in Florida and I ask someone where they're from, they will tell me their nationality. I'm Jamaican, Mm. I'm Haitian, 
Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. In New York, if you ask me where I was from, I tell you I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> we associated right. with Brooklyn and whoever came from Brooklyn, anyone who's from New York will understand what I'm saying. Right. It was a shift for me to mm. come to Florida and understand that Floridians look at themselves first from where they are from. And they don't see themselves as part of a larger collective in a community. Yeah. Now, in the Adventist church, things are changing, but there was a time when we were mostly driven from a Eurocentric perspective. Mm. And it destroyed certain churches because we fail to understand that it is important to recognize culture in terms of worship. I don't expect whites to worship the same way Africans do. I went to Africa and um, mm -hmm. they had a Friday night Vespers mm -hmm. and they had a, a, a circle dance that they did around the church. Right. And right. I felt very uncomfortable at first because in my culture, you, you don't do that. Right. And it wasn't until the pastor did it and he took my hand and, and he took me and there was nothing wrong with that. But they were willing to embrace their culture in worship. Right. Um, the music that they played was music that sounded like their culture. Mm -hmm. But here we've been a lot more Europeanized. And so for some people, unless it's a hymn, they they don't work, they don't want to worship, they don't feel like they've worshipped. It's true. And so it because... should not be that color plays a role, but color does play a role. Do you think we've become a little Europeanized because it's English people that came here to begin with? Um, that is true, but the English people imposed their culture. Mm -hmm. It's true. And it that's, what, that's what it is. When we were in Africa, we did not worship that way. We were right. more expressive. Right. But they taught us that that expression was bad mm. because the the formative narrative mm. said that unless it's Beethoven and Bach and, and that style, then it's wrong. Mm. And that is so why it's important that we educate our people mm. about the fact that this formative narrative exists. Mm -hmm. and that they don't have to live within that box. Mm. So when we are in church, then let's think about it um, practically. We're in church, we go to a church, let's say we're visiting a church and we're in a different state and we visit a church and we walk in with black people and we walk into a place that's predominantly white. Do we have to be thinking about the formative narrative while we do that? No. Because I think that people ought to have different options and mm -hmm. worship where they feel comfortable. There are some people who happen to like a more um, reserved service. And yeah. I don't think that's wrong because okay. in their personality, they're very reserved. But mm -hmm. there are people in their personality, they're very gregarious, they're very outgoing. 
I don't expect mm -hmm. them to go all into church all of a sudden and then they are like this. So yeah. I believe it's good to have different styles of churches so that people can, can worship where they feel comfortable because I think that's the essence of worshiping in spirit and truth. And in truth, it is worshiping mm -hmm. the context of your own skin. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's why we have um, the Black and White Conference? Because of the fact that we have this underlying situation going on? Why do we not get rid of it? That's why it began. So but why don't we just get rid of it now? In most white conferences, the vast majority are not white. And again, mm. it is a, a formative narrative issue because the the thought is when black people come into a church that is white, the whites tend to leave. Mm. Yeah. And that's why for a long time they would not put black pastors in white churches. Mm. When the truth is, I think it is possible for any pastor, black or white, to develop a church that looks like Revelation 7, but it must be intentional. Yes, yes. And the problem is we're not willing to do the work and go through the growing pains in order to create that kind of environment. And so that's why we still have the conferences that way? No, I think it, it's it's a lot more um, simple than that. If you have two conferences, you have two presidents, mm -hmm. two secretaries, mm -hmm. two treasurers, who loses their job? Why don't they just all come together and become one big one? Well, you can only have one president. You can only have one secretary. You can have one treasurer. And so there, there is that matter to deal with. That's why, for example, churches don't really merge very often, even if a church is dying and they should probably merge with a more healthy church. The dying mm -hmm. church doesn't want to leave because the leadership then, then says, what am I going to do? I'm a leader. Wow. Wow. See, I can say these things because I'm not in the conference anymore. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you the questions. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that is no. the reality. And, you know, yeah. we're still human. And if I'm president, why would I want to step down so that someone else can be president when I know I'm capable of being president? But, but, but the, this is the thing, Pastor, mm -hmm. that I just don't understand is we're trying to make it to the heaven. And now we're trying to think about whether we're black and white and we're leaders or we're not leaders and I don't want to lose my job. And I don't. what is the most decent thing to do? Isn't the most decent thing to do what God wants us to do to be unified so we can finish the work? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, but like we're going back to Martin Luther King. He had some deficiencies, but people are multidimensional. Correct. They are. You could be Christian and still have that desire of, I don't want to lose my position. <laughs> that doesn't impact your Christianity. People are complex. And, and I think sometimes in the church, we want to believe that it's either this way or that way, but there's a lot of shades of gray that people have to struggle through. There's a question of spiritual maturity. Mm -hmm. 
everyone is at the same level of spiritual maturity. And, and so it, it's a complex situation. So it's well, a hot issue. Yeah. It's a hot issue. For mm -hmm. but I my... think it might work better if they, if they re-evaluated the conference territories, still had the mm -hmm. same number of conferences, and that way you'd resolve it. But you won't get Florida Conference to merge with Southeastern if Southeastern, Southeastern has to give up their position and Florida Conference runs it, even though Florida Conference is a more financially stable. That's what I was getting it at. It should be the organization that's more financially stable that takes over the organization that's not. But it would never happen that way. It's almost like a business merger. It does. It just sounds so corporate. It does. That's what I'm saying. I, I, just, I just think we're coming away from what God wants us to do. Because it's just such a uh, corporate kind of business-like it, it, mindset. It's ideal. However, the reality is you have two entities in a conference. Yeah. You have the nonprofit, and then you have mm. the for-profit. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. there are certain mm -hmm. things that the conference does that doesn't fit within the nonprofit setting. And so, Correct. for example, um, Florida Conference has Sunbelt. Sunbelt is right. where they 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 do the, the vegetarian meats, um, ABC bookstores, and all those right. things. Yeah. And so you'll find when you go to constituency meeting, they will often close the Florida conference meeting to open the Florida corporation meeting. So you have those two entities working together. And it mm -hmm. has to be that way because we live in a world where you cannot solely be a spiritual entity because you'll end up violating some laws. Yeah that we are not accountable for. So it's 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 very complex. And and I I am afraid that sometimes we simplify these things when it's not as simple as it is. Hmm. I I I love Don. I love Don's way. You know, why can't we just be one big diversity? You know, but if you if you got the enti the entitlement which you feel like oh, okay, you're stripping me of my um, you know, entitlement. So that way I can be one, I guess they don't want to be, they don't want to be considered a monopoly or nothing like that, you know, because the laws and stuff they're going to will take care of that. I just, I just, like I said, we should just go ahead and do the revelation um, seven and nine, just one big multitude. I think change is going to have to happen. Oh, and well, that's we have a lot of people who are up and coming who don't want to deal with all this. And mm -hmm. there's an exodus of members leaving the church because the biggest group, if you took all of the denominations together, one of the fastest growing groups is what they call the nuns. They're saying that we don't want to have a part in any denomination. We're just going to worship God we're going to study the Bible, we're going to pray, but we're not going to take part of any denomination. And that is a fast-growing group. And we haven't really reconciled the fact that this is really happening. And unless we change, it's going to be hard to win those people back. 
Do you think that's part of the shaking? I have a, a different concept of, of what the shaking is. I think one of the worst things that happened is COVID. Because mm. COVID led us to begin worshiping from home. And we started to accept the idea that I don't have to go to a church building in order to worship. In fact, when I'm at home, I can pick and choose where I go. I could go to church at Oakwood Church if I wanted to, or I could go to, to um, Kingsborough Temple in New York, wherever I like. And I can still feel that, that sense of worship that I feel when I'm there. And I could do it in my pajamas. <laughs> so that has changed the dynamics. And, and one of the things, because I, I do a, a lot of um, training for, for pastors, one of the things that you have to do in this place in time is know who you are and answer the question, why should people leave their house and come to my building to worship? And if you don't answer that question properly, you're going to have problems. And it can't be because you have good music. A lot of churches have good music. It can't be because you have good preaching. A lot of churches have, have good preaching. There's got to be something that they can get only by coming to your church. And in my church, the answer to my church is we offer transformation. Because the idea is we don't want you to come to church every single week and then a year later, you're still the same person that you were last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is about connecting people with God um, through many different forms, um, through studying the Bible together, through worshiping together, through doing community service together, um, through fellowshipping together. There are some things you can't get online. And I would never say it's preaching because there are preachers who could preach me under the table. I would never say it's the music because honestly speaking, my church is still not where it needs to be in terms of music. But yet we have people coming and it's growing. Yeah. Because we're giving them something that they're not getting from other places. And so that to me is the answer figuring out what it is that you offer that will give people a reason to leave their beds and leave their pajamas and put on regular clothes and come to your church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of churches are not having that discussion. Yeah. Okay. Wow, Don. No, no. Well, these questions were great. Uh, but I had, I had one question I wanted to ask you. Um, you remember you asked a question about trading races. Yes. And the benefits of that. Remember how you... <laughs> I kind of saw the... the, the I, I know since you were there and you saw the congregation there. Mm -hmm. What kind of look did you receive when you said that? Because I, I know you planned the congregation when you said that. Some of the white people there were very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because race is not a comfortable topic to discuss. 
especially when you're dealing with the, the dominant culture, which is white and in particular white male. And the point that the, the presenter was making is that white people know that it's better off to be white than black in the society, but they're not willing to do anything about, about it or talk against it or stand up for it because they're benefiting. And mm -hmm. in the church, if we're going to create heaven on earth, then we need to be prepared to have some tough conversation. We need to be prepared to make people uncomfortable because our governor is changing the curriculum because he says that he doesn't want to make the young white uncomfortable. Well, they need to be uncomfortable. Otherwise, we're never going to change. There are certain things about us in the Black community we have to discuss that will make us uncomfortable. But it's not until you have an uncomfortable conversation does change actually begin. That happens whether it's a marriage relationship, that happens whether it's a parent and a child, whatever the situation, many times the problem exists because you avoid the uncomfortable discussions that yeah. need to be had. Wow. Yeah, that tends to be the um, the norm, though, throughout our church, um, that we don't have the uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. But um, I'm going to ask a question for you mm -hmm. um, the same way I asked um, Pastor Rose. If we are trying to get to the point where we're going to make it to heaven, and when we go to heaven, there is no you know, black people over here, white people over here, that kind of situation. It's not segregated. We're trying, we, our hearts have to be ready to meet God. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, why is it that we, or how is it, how can we be fully prepared to see God's face if down here we're still thinking about color all the time? The way I look at it is we're spending too much time thinking about that because when you get to heaven, the you that is on earth will not be the you that is in heaven. Yes. Right? Because right. not only will you get a new body as it was in the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. but you will also get a new mind. And yes. going back to the transformation, um, change comes from having a new mind let this mind be in you that is in christ jesus right. and be not conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind yes god could not let us go into heaven with the minds that we have right now right. otherwise we'll just continue things as they are mm -hmm. and so i am not worried so much about what's happening here because the truth is i am not saved based on what I do, I'm saved because by grace, I've accepted Jesus Christ and I've washed my robe in the blood of the lamb. Yes. And when he comes, he's going to give me a new body and a new mind and a new understanding and a new approach. And that's why those folks could gather around the throne and sing the same yeah. song and be in one of accord because they are no longer who they were here on earth. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as long as we're here on earth, the struggle continues. And all we can do is do our best to make little changes as we go, but it's never really going to be fixed until, until the day the struggle ends, which is in heaven. Amen. So why do we need to have things like Black History Month, etc.? Why do we celebrate all these different cultures all the time at different times? I if think it's important to... to do Black History Month because there has been an effort to minimize the role that Blacks have played in history. There are things I have to admit that I went to school. Like I said, I have a bachelor's degree, two master's degrees, and a doctorate. There are things I'm learning now about Black history that I never even knew before. Mm. I, I never knew about Rosewood. I never knew about the, the Black towns that were destroyed. I, I never knew so much about the hangings that they that they did. You know, I knew about Emmett Till. I, I knew that they shot Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and so on. But there is a whole history out there. And there's the positive things. There are things that would not exist if it weren't for the fact that somebody Black created it. Yeah. Like the elevator. Yeah. That was a Black person. You know, there's a whole list of other things that came. Even the light bulb. Edison yeah. gets credit for the light bulb, but Lewis Latimer, a Black man, created the filament. To make if it, yeah. didn't do that, we wouldn't have the lights. And so we are not taught about these things. And because of that, young Blacks who are growing up fall into a formative narrative thinking that white people did all these things and we did nothing. Yeah. And they think that our history began with the civil rights movement. But the truth is, for example, um, Haiti was the first country to gain its independence. And the reason they knew how to fight is because Haitians fought with the whites against Britain to get Americans yeah. their, their independence. And a lot of people don't know that. There were Blacks that were Air Force fighters in, the, in, in, in World War I and World War II. They and were. They don't talk about that. They were. So it's, it's important. And, and, and I like, for example, to point out that Haitians have a lot of pride because they teach us about our history. We know like every January the 1st, every household will have um, pumpkin soup. And that is because January the 1st is our independence day. That's when we gained our independence. Right. And before that, only rich whites could have pumpkins. That was a delicacy. So once we gained our independence, we took the thing that, that spoke about um, white superiority and we made it our own. So no matter what Haitian house you go to, they're gonna have pumpkin soup on, on January the 1st. And so my parents raised me, they taught me about Haitian history. Um, and, and so I have this Haitian pride that sometimes I see lacking. I find it in Jamaicans, I'll be honest with you. Jamaicans are very, very proud. Mm -hmm. But there mm -hmm. are some other nationalities who don't have that. And part of it is because many of them haven't really been indoctrinated with their history and why they are valuable. <laughs> Don? 
I I think we need to I think we need to be over his house on the first uh, to make oh, sure. Oh, I always yeah, I always get my first. suit. Yeah, every no, yep, every first, I get my suit from many places, so okay, I'm good. You're welcome. I, I live in Miramar. I'll send you an invitation. Thank you very much. I want, I, and I, and not, for those who are vegetarian, I make a vegetarian pot, and there's a pot for for those who are still thinners. Meat issue. Oh. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll be there. Just keep mine large. So All right, no problem. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you guys something before we end, because I'm pretty much done. He did another sermon. Yeah, today. I'm done. I'm done now. Um, that thank goodness for PBS. I'm mm -hmm. a subscriber of PBS. And they showed a documentary one morning. I was just flipping through the TV and it showed 100 inventions of black people that we never heard of. A hundred. Yes. I'm talking about the refrigerator. Yes. The sewing machine. Yes. The um, the um, the ice boxes that they showed on the whatever. I'm talking about tons of things. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow. So, uh, you know, I if you get a chance, it's on this on PBS. Yeah. But, and a black man is, is the founder of the city of Chicago. Ain't that something? You know, I was just and I was there were black cowboys. Yeah. Whenever we think of cowboys, we think of white men. And some of the toughest sheriffs in that time were black men. Mm -hmm. But unless we have black history, and the truth is we shouldn't need black history because we should be talking about black history every single day. Because like I, I agree. Said, they give us a month, but I'm black every day of the year. <laughs> That's true. And the shortest. Oh. <laughs> and if we don't do that, we're going to have a group of people coming in after us who will adopt the formative narrative that whites are superior. Mm -hmm. And whites are not superior and whites are not inferior. We are all equal in the eyes of God. Amen. Amen. I agree with that. I'll tell mm -hmm. you. Well, Pastor Paulison, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, this not be your first time. You have to come back again. We know that. Well, yeah. anytime you want to invite me. Yeah, and then uh, on Wednesday nights, we're going to have soup night. Isn't that Wednesday, uh, Don? We have soup on Wednesdays? Yeah, so. sure. <laughs> Bible, Bible study. I'll have to Bible, stop yeah, by and right. crash one Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, but um, we want to thank you for taking the time out. A wonderful, powerful message that you gave us. Um, I know it left a lot of people with question marks, I'm sure, leaving there. But I hope it was for the better, for the change, and maybe ask more questions. Uh, well, if they ever have questions and you gather the questions, I'll, I'll be glad to come back and maybe just deal with those questions. We'll appreciate that. Believe me, we'll appreciate that. They have a number for that. Don, you have anything else? No, we're good. I'm good. All right. Um, this I, part, though, yeah. I, it's I, nice you. to have been here with you, and mm -hmm. I will pray for the success of this podcast. I think it's a good thing you're doing. We do appreciate that. Um, on our segment of this part of the podcast, we always ask the guest speaker to pray us out. All right, not a problem. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that this morning you gave us another brand new mercy. You woke us up when you didn't have to. You fed us when you didn't have to. We went about our day and you protected us and you didn't have to. You provided for us and you didn't have to. So we say thank you. I, I thank you for this podcast, Lord. And I pray that you bless all the participants. I pray that you enlarge their territory and give them a huge followership so that people may learn and people may even accept Christ by listening to this podcast. 
Lord, as we leave this place, we know that even though we won't be absent from each other, you'll be present with us. So we're in good hands. Hear us as we pray. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, my brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you soon. Don't be a stranger. We know All right. Now, well, Pastor Noel is a good friend of mine. I'm sure I'll, I'll be there from time to time. Well, we appreciate that. We'll be looking forward to seeing you again. God bless you and your family. You too. All, All right. right. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye-bye.